This is Rabbi Neet Sarna and Rabbi David Walkenfeld. Shalom and welcome to the Straw Hat. We are the official podcast of Anshe Shalom B'nai Israel Congregation, an Orthodox synagogue in Chicago, Illinois. So we're gearing up for Rosh Hashanah here at Anshe Shalom. Yes, we are. It's an all-consuming uh, uh, project, but we uh, do not want to neglect our podcast uh, listeners uh, in, in these days. Uh, so we thought we'd share some thoughts about Tashlich, a common ritual for the first day of Rosh Hashanah in the afternoon, although it can be done any time until Yom Kippur. I think some people even do it until um, until Hashanah Rabbah, no? Totally, totally possible. Tashlich is my favorite, least favorite Jewish ritual of the year. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty late uh, minhag. It's just a minhag also. It's a custom that, yeah, first recorded in the Maharil. Maharil uh, in the 15th century sort of had this agenda of collecting a lot of um, Ashkenazi customs that were at risk of being lost. This is after a few centuries of lots of expulsions and the Black Death and all sorts of um, terrible things that... Bad news and <laughs> Yes, yeah. and sort of at the end of which there are really no longer many Jews living in Germany or France, which had been the center of Ashkenazi Jewish life for hundreds of years prior to that. And as Jewish life is reconstructed in, in mm-hmm. Poland, I guess, and places east, um, the Maharil undertook this project of like figuring out what Ashkenazim do. And amongst the things that he records is this practice of Tashlich, which... Um, Oh, I was just going to yeah, say yeah. one other favorite Maharil fact, which oh. also connects to Please, the what's your favorite? Oh, yes, yes. Um, is that he gathered in, like, all of the chazanim yes. of Ashkenaz, and any tune that they all had, he declared to be a Misinai tune, like a tune from Sinai. Um, and many of those are High Holidays tunes. Some of them, like the, the Kaddish that leads into Musaf on Shabbat, Shabbat yeah. is, a, is a Misinai Kaddish. Um, and uh, so anytime someone messes that up, you can say, that Kaddish is Misinai. <laughs> Uh, the Maharil said so. Um, but like, what an amazing kind of operation. Like, let's just get everyone together and see what we all have in common. And whatever we have in common, that's legit. Yeah, and and can't be changed. I mean, he's very, very emphatic at the, how terrible it is to change any of these uh, core, you know, um, Nusach, you know, elements where, where where that was that sort of Ashkenazi consensus. Um, he did this without recording, obviously. No no recording technology. Uh, I don't even know if... The the music, music could be written by then, yeah. Did he know how to write music? I don't think so, right? I, I don't know. Yeah, uh, don't interesting. Know uh, someone knows. I'm sure someone does. Okay, for another for another time. <laughs> so so he writes out Tashlich. Uh, it's penitential prayers recited adjacent to water. Uh, seems the symbolism of water is associated with Shoshana, maybe because of... Uh, the Midrash that Avram had to cross a river on his way to the Akedah. The Akedah, of course, is a um, liturgical and otherwise theme of this season. So we gather by water just as Avram crossed water. I mean, that's, and fish are, you know, a, a, always, a good, good luck, symbol. Yeah, good luck symbol in Judaism. They And they always have their eyes open, just like have. God is always watching us. Yeah, that, that that's it's a little funny. That's an odd, I, yeah, I think just fish as. Fish do the, blink sometimes, no? I know. Fish do not have eyelids. I believe. I, I, Pretty sure that's okay. true because they don't need them. They live in the water, right? I guess. Right? Yeah, so, yeah, I but um, uh, even so, I still feel like these fish are watching. You know, see these fish watching you and think of the unblinking eye of God. I don't know. It's, right. a, it's a 
I'm not sure if that's a, Feels a little foreign. Yeah. Or just a couple of steps removed, I would say. That's all. <laughs> um, uh, but fish are a good luck symbol. Like that's because, you know, mm-hmm. Pamayim, Kitov, right? The day that fish are created, it says, and God saw that it was good twice. So that's, there are like they a good luck symbol. So they survived the flood. So there's like a good luck symbol of fish. Right. Um, uh, it seems that only much, much later, the custom evolved in some communities that people throw crumbs into the water as like a shaking off of, casting off of, of sins. Um, and this... Um, aroused a lot of a lot of controversy for for two reasons one i think the most important one is you might think that it works yeah okay (laughs) right like you you might think oh i'm casting away my sins and now i'm done and actually Mm -hmm. like as as a metaphor you know for how sins could be cast away if one chooses to do so uh that's very nice but if you think that it works and is effective i think that's a that could be really problematic um, uh, the other objection is there's a, it's forbidden on Yantif or, Sh- or Shabbat for that matter to feed animals that don't belong to you. They're, mm-hmm. uh, animals are machta. It's a, and so you can feed your own animals uh, that are your responsibility. You're but required to feed your own animals. You must feed. Yeah. Yeah, please feed your animals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you can't feed um, like animals that are free right. and wild and, yeah. in, and, and living you know, in, in, the, in the lake. And, and that, so if you're feeding the ducks or the fish, that, would be, uh, that, could, that might also be a problem. And, and then the thing that you're using to feed them with is in of itself mukta because it has no Shabbat purpose. Right, so to walk, right, to walk on Yom Tov with, right, you are allowed to carry on Yom Tov, but you can't carry things that have no Yom Tov purpose exactly. on Yom Tov because they're, they're mukta and the laws of mukta are even stricter on Yom Tov than they are on Shabbat. So things that have no Yom Tov purpose should not be moved on Yom Tov. And, right, so food that, food that you won't eat. Like say, once you say, ah, oh, this is stale bread, I'm not going to eat this. So I mean, throw it to the fish. Once you make that decision, you actually can't really move it. You could throw it out if it's in the way, right? You can mm-hmm. Well, also it. if it's like disgusting. So if it's like on your table, you're allowed to clear off your table. It's called a garif show, right? Do you want to translate that? It, it means a pot of filth. <laughs> Great. So you're right. You don't have to, we can have like clean, we can have a, a that's, okay. It's also, also, also the sanitary. Uh, right. No, but the halakhic so. concept of why, right? You would think you're not allowed to clean off your table because Anything that's left on your table at the end of a meal is not is garbage. It's mukta, and and therefore it has no yantiv purpose, and it's mukta, so it has to stay there. Um, and the answer is you're allowed to. There's like a halachic exception for for pots of filth, um, <laughs> but which which allows you to clean off your table, which is very helpful. Right, but the point at which you say this bread is stale, I'm not going to eat it, then then you really wouldn't. You can't then use it for something else that's also not a, a yantiv, yantiv appropriate activity. Yeah. 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 So. Um, I, so maybe there are leading, I, I think there are leading opinions out there. My recommendation is not to throw bread or bring bread to to the park. I, I think there are leading to. I mean, eat the I don't know. God feeds everyone. We can. I don't know. Maybe we just. You know, the animals are friends or something like that. There are, there, that that does exist in in halakha literature. Certainly, as a limud schut, as like a way to justify this existing practice. I think you find people saying that. But uh, my recommendation, if for anyone who cares, is not to uh, not not to, to throw bread crumbs on yantif. Right? If you want to throw bread, yeah. maybe do it uh, during the week. That's the reason to tash uh, during the week. Then you can feed the animals. Totally. Uh, I mean, I think the other the other hesitation. Growing up um, in the community that I grew up in, tashlich was like a big social time, and I actually think that also a little bit undermines the idea of it um that meaning it, it makes sense to come together as a community to do what what feels like should be a very serious ritual um in that you're like you're going to to cast away your sins and to meditate and to reflect and and jews love doing that in community and having these serious moments together that makes a lot of sense to me uh growing up there was like food and nosh and whatever oh, wow. and, and like the whole newton community like would all come out like all the different shoals was this nice like interdenominational moment uh, that in retrospect uh, even though I loved it everyone went to Tashlech it was like the big event of the year um, it, 
uh, that in retrospect, I think is not is not the the correct uh, or like the ideal feeling that one should have vis-a-vis Tashlech. But over the years, for me, this has become like a relatively important ritual. And I, I like that the embodiment of it. I like that you kind of go out of shul and into like a natural environment and um and and reflect um on on your relationship with like your past self and your future self um and the ability to Rabbi Sachs writes about this very meaningfully the ability to to cast off your past self is actually it's not straightforward at all and so many people or, or so often we feel we feel stuck in the way that we are and just like how how often you find yourself saying I did that that's just who I am I can't help it um and Judaism really comes along and says that's not an excuse you can't say things like that mm. you always have the capacity to change but it's it's really hard to believe that about ourselves and I think doing the like physical thing of Tashlech really helps um, reinforce that sense that that there is a possibility to kind of cast away um, formal parts of ourselves that's very nice I um, was I guess at very you know influential stages of my education <laughs> I was uh, in yeshiva with, with I guess Litvox and and, uh, I, and in I, Israel where there wasn't flowing water <laughs> true true so I, I, I have a very distinct memory of that my first Rosh Hashanah in yeshiva having I guess lunch at the home of one of of our teachers and he's oh you some of you probably want to do tashlich so he went to the kitchen turned on the sink and then told us to go stand outside by the um drain this, this, like, yeah the drain like the sewer like the sewer like manhole you know where we're like i guess in a few minutes there would be flowing water uh, from his uh sink drain and you could say tashlich there and, and that was not very appealing i think from i don't think i've said tashlich since then it's been like 20 years <laughs> I, it's sort of hard to kind of get back into it uh, after that and again very much influenced by that trend like Vilna Gon, et cetera, that that the people who were really worried that uh you you might think that 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 it's as easy as casting um uh crumbs into the water not that that's a metaphor or inspiration for the ability to cast away sins but that has one has actually accomplished something uh, by by doing that? I, I do though. What, what I also think, however, do you do Koparo? Like, isn't that a kind of similar? It is very similar. I think actually, there's a lot of like common origins of the two rituals. Mm-hmm. Um, Koparo is a ritual done on the on the day before Yom Kippur, where people swing chickens or money, ideally money, um, around their heads and say, "This instead of me." That's the the message, and then you give either the chicken or the money to charity. Yeah. So look, I think it's it's sort of hard to get it. Like giving charity is objectively good and accomplishes right. something, you know, for somebody, even if it doesn't, even if your sins don't go onto those coins, you know, yeah. like, right? or that, that you are objectively doing something to help someone. So it's sort of hard to like, why, why refrain from that? Um, I, I like the, you know, the social aspect that that is a Rosh Hashanah, you know, uh, tradition as well. It it's, goes back to Tanakh and Nehemiah, right? Right. right? right. What did he say? Like, go out. Yeah, he and says, go out, give gifts to your friends. and Have meals together, right? Meals together, yeah, make sure yeah. everyone's fed. Make sure you're, like, there is, like, that social cohesion, Mishlach Menot, literally Mishlach Menot um, aspect of Rosh Hashanah that I think it's, I think there's something nice about the community coming together in a friendly sort of jovial kind of way, certainly different congregations meeting and in a friendly, jovial way outside, something very nice. And mm-hmm. uh, and that, as I, I think I spoke about this before, like that's also one of my very um, powerful childhood Rosh Hashanah memories, just seeing there's so many Jewish people, all these people in suits, like everyone you know, <laughs> uh, walking out, you know, it's a really like that, that Jewish presence, you know, um, and, and, and so, 
you don't necessarily have that necessarily other times of the year here. And it's really nice to see, like to walk the streets of our neighborhood and Rosh Hashanah and see so many thousands of Jews celebrating the holiday, uh, I think is really powerful and a really positive thing. And that's not just on the streets, it's also in the park along the lake. I think mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's is very nice, even yeah. I understand it's, it doesn't, um, that's intention with having an intense personal spiritual moment. Right. But if you don't believe in the intense spiritual moment because you don't even do it, then of course you love the social aspect. I think you're being very consistent here, which I, think, I admire as always. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> no, Tasha is my favorite, uh, I guess, times of the year because I don't do anything and I just uh, enjoy being with lots of people uh, outdoors. So it's a very... Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so, sorry, sorry, it's a little harder for you to, to, na- to balance those. So maybe so maybe you can, uh, maybe you'll say Tasha, not in Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah, you can just hang out with everyone. Right. And then you'll find a quiet time in the week after. I've done so, that in the past actually and it's it's been very nice um and it's also you know in the northeast it's like very easy to find bodies of water too so and here especially uh, we're yeah, literally named for it yes the neighbor yes <laughs> <laughs> uh so it's a blessing so anyways thank you so much for joining us um on the straw hat this week we hope you have a beautiful happy healthy sweet new year full of blessings and um and personal growth and fulfillment in all sorts of ways to you, to all the listeners, to your family, and uh, look forward to learning together uh, through the podcast and in person in the new year. Shana Tovah.